we are hardwired for love. We're designed to receive love and to give love out. We're made in the image of God. And God is love. So, just think about that. We're made in the image of God. We are made in the image of love. So, at the time... um, when Genesis was written, right in the beginning. It's about three and a half thousand years ago by Moses. At that time, as big emperor, em, empires, pharaohs were ruling Egypt. And at that time, obviously, they didn't have the internet. <laughs> you know, there weren't ready photos of the emperor or the pharaoh around to like kind of remind people of their iron rule and reign. So what they did was they sent out images of themselves in statue form or painting form. So they would have couriers like on horseback, like riding to the far reaches of the empire. And in all the major towns and cities, they would put a massive statue of themselves so that people would be reminded who was king and who was ruler and of that particular town and the rules and regulations that they'd put in place. So when we read in Genesis, was written in that context. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It's into that context. How amazing that God sends us out into the world made in his image. But we're not made in the image of God physically, Rather, we're made in the image of God. We're made in the image of love. Because God cannot be limited by a physical statue, for example. And just like the pharaohs sent out their statue, God sends us into all the world as his image bearers. His image bearers of love. We're made to carry love, to embody love, to experience love. For his immense love to flow in of us and out of us. That's what we are created and designed for. As it said in John 1, 4, when we just read, No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. No one's ever seen God, but we make God visible through our love for each other. We paint a portrait of God through our loving actions. Let's just um, think about a wind turbine. I do like my analogies. Very pictorial. We got that? There we go. Um, So the wind turbine is not made in the image of the wind, is it? Because almost it would be impossible to define the wind in physical terms. But when we see a wind turbine, we are reminded of the wind. And just like us, we're not physically made in the image of God. But when people see us, they should be reminded of God. The turbine was designed to receive the wind. That's its purpose, that's its meaning, that's its reason for being. In verse 15 it says, when anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them 
and they in God. In that moment, the switch inside the turbine is set to on. The blades of the turbine start moving as it receives the wind. It fulfills its purpose, starts generating power, and it will bring light and warmth to hundreds of homes. When Jesus comes and lives in us, the switch is turned on in our souls. Love comes alive. We receive the love of God, and God lives in us. We fulfill our design and our purpose and truly start to reflect the image of God. And the power of God's sacrificial, unconditional, passionate love becomes the power from which we can love others. This is a great quote. Learning to live in the immensity of the love of God is the power and the source from which we love others. So how do we kind of define love? So I was um, watching one of the Bible projects. I don't know if you've seen those, but they're really good, like really good theological short minute films. Um, and there was a quote, and there's a really good one actually on love, but I haven't got time to show you it. But it's four and a half minutes, so maybe you can go home and watch it afterwards. But um, there's a really good quote in there that defined love that was seeking the well-being of others more than our own without expecting anything in return. Often when we love, it's, it can be selfish without us even realising, can't it? Because we get so much out of it as well, and we expect stuff in return. But sacrificial, unconditional, passionate love like that. Oh, can we go on to the next one? Yeah, seeking the well-being of mothers more than our own. It's kind of that love that sacrificial, passionate love, that unconditional love. Actually, that love is holy, just by very definition, isn't it? Because it's the opposite of sin and selfishness. So if we look at the famous verse from 1 Corinthians 13, because love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it isn't proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It's love versus judgment. It's love versus gossip. It's love versus grumbling. It's love versus blame. Love versus pride. So we elevate ourselves rather than others. Love versus wanting the best stuff for ourselves. That is sacrificial, perfect, pure love. That love is holy. That love stands out. That love paints a portrait of God in the best possible way. And it's holy. That's kind of why Jesus said that actually all of the laws of the Old Testament can be wrapped up into one law, one A and one B. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, but also love your neighbour as yourself. Because if we'd stick to that sort of love, that holy passionate unconditional sacrificial love then that's all we need to worry about that's all we need to think about because actually we'll become holy and all the other things slot into place behind it but as Matt said last week Jesus 
said, I'm giving you a new command. Because Jesus said about the old commandments, it was kind of, um, it was reverbalizing laws that would have been well known in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God. But he kind of stretched it, didn't he, as we know. He stretched the meaning of neighbor to include everyone, even your enemy, because that's what we should be people of love, regardless of who it is. But then after supper, the night before he was betrayed, he said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, so you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So basically saying, look, that's quite a big deal. (laughs) Loving your enemy, loving everyone in a pure, holy, amazing, awesome way. But just start with this. It's like basic, love your brothers and sisters, start here, do that well, love 101, okay? Focus on that first. Bit like sometimes when you give your kids like a big long to-do list and you think, uh-oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> Let's just pick one thing, <laughs> this one thing. And then John, who wrote about Jesus saying that, reiterated it in his own letter to other churches, saying, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. It's two sides of the same coin. Loving God and loving each other. You can't do one without the other. Almost like a wheel where you've got the spokes coming out and on the outside ridge is all the people. But as you love God, who's in the center, your love for God grows, your love for people will naturally grow as you're drawn towards the center. You can't love one without the other. It's the same thing. It's an A and a B. It's two sides of the same coin. This is a really amazing quote about love from this guy called Jean Vernier, I think. It says, to love someone is not first of all to do things for them, which is interesting, isn't it? Because we tend to think of it around actions and doing the loving things. To love someone is first of all not to do things for them, but to reveal to them their beauty and value. To say to them through our attitude, you are beautiful, you are important, I trust you. That's quite amazing, isn't it? Love is more than just doing the right thing. We have to have warmth, our attitude, we have to have love radiating out of us as our motivation. And if we don't, people can tell. And we kind of, this isn't carrying on in 1 Corinthians, this is a quite a famous verse. But it says, you know, basically wrapping up saying, if I did all these amazing things but I don't have the right attitude, it just counts for nothing. So if I could speak all of the languages of the earth, how awesome would that be? Of angels even. But I didn't love others. I'd just be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, whoa. I mean, possessing all knowledge and understanding all of God's secret plans. If I had such faith that could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Anything we do, all of our best efforts, whatever we contribute, whatever knowledge or wisdom we have, 
whatever faith we've got, if we don't love others, it's not worth anything. It doesn't have any value. I'm sure you've had that experience, haven't you? I have. You know when you go to a restaurant sometimes and the waitress is proper grumpy? <laughs> Just something about that really jars, doesn't it? Because actually, it's, it's a loving action. Hospitality is a loving action. So you've gone into their environment. You've gone into their restaurant or their, you know, effectively their home, I suppose. And yet, and they're kind of, putting stuff down but in a oh yes sit down over there I still remember we were in France we do you remember that waiter that was so rude when we were like years ago like when we first went skiing yes you do but he's so rude you're just like oh man this is unbelievable because there's something about it because it's a loving action isn't it but it's it's going with an attitude that isn't loving and it jars and we're like oh that's not very nice or what if somebody kind of says oh how are you doing you're saying oh actually I'm like a bit you know and then you can just and they're like they don't actually care they're not actually bothered they're kind of looking over your shoulder and you're just a bit like what's that about or um somebody offers to give you a lift but they don't really want to and then they kind of drop you off like somewhere miles like kind of not very close to where you live and stuff you're a bit like it's <laughs> just something a bit weird about doing a loving action but with not with the right motivation it's almost, it's not worth anything. It doesn't have any value. It's like a clonging, a clonging, a clanging gong, <laughs> you know, or a noisy symbol. It's actually almost worse than doing anything at all if you don't have the right attitude because you've created this weird experience for someone. Yeah, our attitude should be to reveal people's beauty and value to them, which is amazing, isn't it? Just a little bit of a disclaimer on the whole loving people thing because it's wanting the best for someone isn't it and not expecting anything in return and often sometimes what you think is best for someone might not be what they think is best for them as well like sometimes like as all parents know loving someone isn't just giving them what they want and saying yes all the time is it because actually that's not love because sometimes it takes a lot of love to say to someone, actually, I don't, maybe that thing is actually, dam I think that, that thing's actually damaging you and it's not the best for you. But we just have to be super careful whenever we do say stuff like that to make sure our attitude is 100% wanting the best for that person and 100% love. But it's not just a simple case of like warm, fluffy loveliness. Because actually, sometimes we don't do the loving action because we can't be bothered because it's a bit messy and actually a bit just a lot easier if it all just went away. <laughs> but sometimes the loving action is to kind of say the hard things in love, isn't it, too? So it's not just a case of just, that's a bit of a disclaimer. So, you got my last? Oh, wow. So, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. So to wrap up, we want love to grow in our lives. We want it to expand so we love God and love each other with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul and strength. We want to be filled up with love, don't we? But to do that, we've kind of got to push out selfishness. 
all that list of other stuff. So if you look at the end one, right, <laughs> it's my very simple diagram. <laughs> Actually, I think quite effective. <laughs> so there's me and there's God. And there's a nice bit in the middle because God comes and lives in me. When we say yes to Jesus, when we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, God comes and lives in us. Love comes and lives in us. Yeah. So that's a nice bit. So we, we occasionally have those moments when we do something really, truly, sacrificially loving for someone. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> like, yes. Because actually we're doing what we're made to do. Or when we see love around us, we're designed for that. Our inner core loves it and yearns for it. That's why we get all that warm fuzzies when we watch nice films or anything like that. So that bit in the middle is God's pure, sacrificial, amazing love. So every time we do a, a loving action and our motivations are loving, we choose to make that space bigger in our lives, in our hearts and in our souls. But to do that, we've got to push out selfishness, grumbling, complaining about people. What were all the other things in my, my 1 Corinthians verse? Gossiping. Lying, uh, impatience, unkindness, envy, boasting, dishonouring others, being self-seeking, being easily angered, keeping a record of wrongs, delighting in evil. You know, quite enjoying it when someone does something wrong or make a mistake. Oh, look, they've made a mistake. That makes me feel better. Mm, it's not very nice, is it? Um... Yeah. So we push that stuff out and instead we replace it with love, kindness, goodness, self-control. And hopefully that space gets bigger and bigger and bigger until actually the overlap is so big that we do reflect God's image to this world. We become true image bearers of God, that the statue resembles God a lot more. We make God visible to this world through our love for one another. And as Jesus said, love 101, love starts here in our family. Should be the easiest place to love each other. Also the hardest sometimes in family, isn't it? Because we're rubbing up closer. Because with people that we don't really know very well, as things get a bit tough, it's just you just don't don't necessarily see them as much. But with family, you have to see them all the time, twenty four seven. So you have to work it out. You have to sort it out, and you're closer to people's irritations, aren't we? And to the things that wind us up. But love one hundred and one starts with the closest: our family, our church family. Love each other. Love your brothers and sisters. And then we'll make God visible to the world. That's why Jesus said, then the world will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. So there we go, just a bit challenging. <laughs> yeah, it's a high standard, perfect, pure love, very high standard. But Jesus gives us a high standard be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. But we also know we're not doing it in our own strength. Just like the wind turbine 
God's love for us is powering the energy, is powering the source and the, love, the source of our love for other people around us. Emma, would you like to just come back up and I'm going to read. I'm going to read my poem. <laughs> I had a quiet time a few weeks ago and it's the first time I've ever written a poem. I thought, <laughs> this is awesome. So I'm going to share it with you. So can we just want to... Um, It's kind of about the breath of God, and it's about God always being with us, but also giving us the power just through being with him to actually do the right things and to love people. So just want to maybe just shut your eyes and ask God to connect with him. Just maybe become more aware of your breathing. Lots of verses in the Bible about how God, the Holy Spirit, is represented through the breath of God. God breathed in us when he created us, gave us his spirit, gave us his image by breathing into us. The power, the love, the source of love, breathing into us. Yeah, so. Always breathing. Ever present. In, out unconscious movement Holy Spirit ever present living in me unconscious movement hard activity walk up a hill catch our breath awareness of the constant difficult times I can't do this alone Lean on God, awareness of the constant. Discipline, silence, a habit of being alone. Holy Spirit, conscience. Every day, every hour, remain in me. Everlasting love, in, out, unconscious movement. Every day every hour breath of God breathe on me